In John chapter 21, you can go ahead and turn there uh, as I get us started here. And, And the simple message that I have for you today is this. It's time for a reset. It's time for a reset. Can somebody say, it's time? That's not too bad, but I want it a little louder. It's time. Look to your neighbor and say it like you believe it, even if it's a little bit awkward. It's time. Oh, I love it. We're getting some church up in here now, okay? So listen, listen. It's time. It's time for a reset. And the good news for us this morning is that God is the God of reset. God is the God. I I don't know how significantly you need a fresh start today. But listen, God is the God of the fresh start. God is the God of a new day. God is the God of a new season. Because God is God. And God wants to meet us right where we are. We see this again in John chapter 21. We're going to be reading the back half of the chapter, verses 15, all the way through the end of the chapter. As we think about this truth, it's time for a reset. This is what John writes about the life of Christ. It says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against him during their supper. And he had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? 
you follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This morning, I want to encourage us to pursue a spiritual reset and find the freedom of following Jesus. Pursue a spiritual reset and find the freedom of following Jesus. One more time, we have heard Jesus speak to Peter and consequently the disciples, follow me. But if we're going to do that with all of our heart, we need to make sure that our hearts are connected with his heart and there is no, this is the goal, this is the prayer. Listen, there is no space between. I'm, I'm here today to tell you if there is space between you and God, God is not cool with it and he wants there to be no space between. But in order for that to happen, some things may, may need to be reset. And what we are going to see here as we work our way through the scripture is that God wants a reset for us, a reset of relationship, a reset of love, a reset of mission, and a reset of focus. Let's begin with this, this reality of a reset of relationship. Listen, God wants this for you. Whether you are new to Christianity, exploring who Jesus is, okay? Listen, God made you. He made all of us for a relationship with himself. And there are times in our lives where we just need to say, hey, God, there are some things that are off here, and I need to hit a reset. And as we're going to see as we break this story down, that happens by confessing our sin. Reset your relationship. Confess your sin. After sharing breakfast with all seven disciples, as we saw last week in verses 1 through 14, Jesus now addresses Peter specifically. Jesus now addresses Peter personally. He looks him in the eye. I have no doubt with eyes of joy and yet piercing love. And he speaks to Peter and he asks him essentially the same question three times. He begins in verse 15 and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And we need to stop right there and ask ourselves, Jesus, what do you mean when you say more than these? He could be looking at Peter and looking at the disciples and he may be saying, hey, Peter, do you love me more than you love the disciples? By the way, this is a public, probably at least beginning as a public conversation. 
And maybe then Jesus and Peter stroll down the shore and they take a walk together. We can't know for sure, but, but he could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than you love them? Or he could be on the shore where they had just pulled in one of the most miraculous catches of fish, 153, just by dropping one net. And he could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than fishing and boats and the excitement of all these things? Or there's a third option, which I believe is what Jesus is getting at here. He could be saying, hey, hey, Peter, do you love me more than they love me? Peter, do you, lo- do you love me more than John loves me? Do you love me more than James? What, 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 about, what about Thomas and what about Nathaniel? Do, do you love me more than they love me? And I know if you've been around the story of the Bible very long, that may be a shock to your senses and you're thinking, about, why, why, like God commands everyone to love him with all of their heart. So that would basically put us all on the same playing field. We're all commanded to love him the same. Why would Jesus, Jesus commands the greatest love, but he doesn't command competition between us for who loves him the most. Jesus, what are you talking about? Well, let's continue on, and I think we'll see what's going on. Then Jesus, after Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's a humble assertiveness that Peter says. He doesn't say, hey, I love you more than John. He just says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But then Jesus asks a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And maybe Peter is a bit puzzled. You know, uh, I just, told you, I just told you, Jesus, and, and do you remember, Jesus, do you remember that move I made in the boat just hours before when John said, it's the Lord, and I threw myself into the water and swam as fast as I could, 300 feet, just to be with you. Jesus, you know that I love you. But then he asks a third time. In verse 17 says that Peter was grieved. His soul was pierced because Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? And Peter, with everything in him, says, Jesus, you are the one who made everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. What's going on here? Peter needed a reset in his relationship with Jesus. That's what's going on here. You say, well, Pastor Tanner, what are you talking about? Well, we need to rewind the story to understand the significance of this moment and this conversation between Jesus and Peter. The night before Jesus was crucified, this would be Thursday night before his Friday crucifixion. Jesus told the disciples, hey, I am about to be arrested, I am about to be taken away, and I am going to be crucified. And what did Peter say? Anyone remember? John chapter 13, verse 37, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. But what about the words that are captured by Matthew in Matthew 26, verse 33? What does Peter say? Though they are all fall away because of you. I will never fall away. 
What's Peter saying? He's saying, Jesus, I love you more. Even if they don't love you that much, Jesus, I love you that much. But as the story goes, Jesus told him, Peter, listen, before the rooster crows, in other words, before the sun rises in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. So the genius of Jesus here, the infinite love of Christ here, allows the man who denied him three times to declare his allegiance three times so that Peter could experience full restoration and full forgiveness. What a reset of relationship in these moments. Because listen, Jesus shows us what real forgiveness looks like. Listen, I know some of you, you don't like confrontation. You don't like offenses. If someone offends you, you're willing to like sleep, sweep it under the rug a little bit. Listen, but, but, but real forgiveness recognizes the wrong. It's okay when you are wronged. It's okay to say, hey, I was wronged. Jesus doesn't show up breakfast. Hey, Peter, we're good. Don't even want that. That wasn't any big deal. You denied me three times on my dying day. No, he recognizes the, the, the three questions are a recognition of the three denials. But then I love this. Not only does forgiveness recognize the wrong, but real forgiveness fully restores the relationship. I mean, if you were in Peter's shoes, would you not wonder, hey, the way that I blew it, the, the magnitude of my failure, it may be that my relationship with Jesus is never going to be the same. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever allowed sin to so overwhelm your soul? And you're so just deep entrenched in, or you've just been so, maybe it's not sin, but it's apathy. You've just become so indifferent and apathetic toward the things of God that you're not sure that you will experience a full restoration of relationship. But Jesus is saying, listen, when I forgive you, nothing can stand between us any longer. What good news. What good news. God loves you like that. God wants you to have this kind of full restoration and forgiveness. Listen, whatever it is, whatever is standing between you and God, your sin, your indifference, your apathy, God wants to see you acknowledge it and then confess it to him. Because listen, when you confess your sin, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sin. This is what John would later write in 1 John 1, 9 and 10. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so listen, I plead with you today, look, any sin... Any sin, any way that you have said, God, no, thank you, I'm doing my own thing, anything in your life, anything that stands between you and a vibrant, real, 
this kind of close relationship with Jesus, no space between kind of relationship with Jesus. Jesus is saying, it's got to go. And it's got to go because I love you so much and I want to be that close to you. He wants to remove the stain of our sin. This reminds me of my son, Titus, who's three years old, and this dude loves to eat chocolate bars. If we would let him eat chocolate bars, he would not eat one, two, three, or four. This dude would eat the whole box every single day. And when Titus, listen, when Titus, we open up the chocolate bar, he puts it in his bowl, and he's off, and he's doing his thing. You see Titus about three minutes later, and you know that this brother has eaten a chocolate bar, right? Why? Because he's got it all over his face. And, and, and we, like, before you, like, continue on, son, like, we need, to, we need to clean some things up on your grill, okay? Because if you, like, run onto the couch, you're going to get a big stain on mommy's couch. And, you know, and you're not, not to mention you're going to look a little awkward the rest of the day. So come here, son, let me, let me clean you up a little bit. And this is what God wants to do with us. And you may say, listen, 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 listen. You may say, Pastor Tanner, what a trite example. You're talking about your son eating a chocolate bar and you're comparing our sin to, to sinning against God? Like, like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Because listen, our sin is like that. When we, when we chase after these, these little things in our life that we feel like are so important, listen, we are being incredibly childish, incredibly narrow in our perspective. And yet God wants to clean us up. He wants to forgive us and fully restore the relationship. And so please here today, Jesus wants you to experience the freedom of forgiveness. But listen, please, this is my plea with you, whether you're online here today, listen, do not let this moment pass you by. Do not let these moments of saying, oh yeah, that thing that I did last night, that, that, that action, this, this pattern in my life that I've been carrying for weeks, months, and years. Listen, uh, confess it to God today. Experience his full forgiveness, his full restoration, a reset of relationship. But then number two, listen, and these tie together. We can also experience a reset of love. A reset of love. And how do we do that? I love this stuff. We do it by telling him again. Just tell him again. The, the, the story as Jesus gives Peter this opportunity. What is he doing? He's giving Peter an opportunity to verbalize his love three different times. And I believe this is, listen, this is not only to look back and say, hey, Peter, there's some things that, that you failed on, that you sinned against me, that we need to clean up. But it's also a moment for Peter to rearticulate, for him to hear himself speak how much he loves Jesus, and he'll remember it. And when you articulate something, it strengthens your soul on the inside. Don't ask me how it works. It just works by the Holy Spirit. He's strengthening his soul. Peter has the opportunity. And listen, sometimes this is hard for us, particularly in our culture, men to verbalize their love to someone else, especially another man or God. Women were like, oh, we're good with that. I love you. 
But, but other men or, or, or even God, sometimes it's hard to say, I love you. But listen, one of the greatest men in the Bible, one of the greatest warriors in the Bible, the same, the same warrior who went in battle, uh, not only killed Goliath, but decapitated his head uh, as, a, as a symbol of victory. Let's keep it real today. This is the Bible. Okay, um, he says in Psalm 18:1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. There is, there is no weakness in articulating as a man or certainly as a woman, I love you to God. It's an opportunity. Listen, confessing sin decreases our friction, but reaffirming our love increases our intimacy. It's not enough to decrease the friction and the space between, but if you want to grow closer and closer and nearer and nearer to God, where you can say with David in Psalm 73, the nearness of my God is my good. It's what I'm living for. Then maybe, just maybe, you need to, when you pray, when you sing, when you're just, God, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you more than anyone. Jesus, I love you more than anything. We need to get comfortable with saying, Jesus, I love you more than. Jesus, I love you more than. Jesus, I love you more than work. Jesus, I love you more than the next degree. And Jesus, I love you more than Ted Lasso season three. I'm rapping now. That's right. Uh, Jesus, I love you more than my spouse. Jesus, I love you more than my kids. Jesus, I love you more than all my kids' sports activities on the weekends. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you more than pornography. Jesus, I love you more than slander and lies. Jesus, I love you more than ungodly anger. I love you more than the next pleasure, if that pleasure is not of you, the next drink, the next hit, the next video game, whatever it is, God, I love you more. I love you more than my paycheck, more than my sexual desires, more than the next shiny toy more than weekend trips, more than the Red Sox making the playoffs or the Patriots beating the Bucks next Sunday. I mean, the Patriots beating Tom Brady next Sunday. I love you more. I love you more. Jesus, I love you more. I'm going to preach a little bit. I, I love you more than political parties. I didn't get enough amens on that. Jesus, I love you more than political parties because, Jesus, you don't fit into a box of a political party in America anyway. Amen, Pastor Tanner. Preach a little bit more. I love you than more than masks and vaccines. Yes, I went there. I love you more than my greatest hopes and my greatest dreams. Jesus, I love you more. I love you more than my comfort, more than security, more than success, more than health. Jesus, I love you more. I love you more than everything. I love you more than all of that. I'm getting there but I'm not done yet. Jesus, I love you more than the appearance of me loving you. Jesus, I, I, I love you more than simply looking like I love you. I love you more than showing up on Sunday. I love you more than the next song we sing. 
I love you more than the next prayer meeting or small group. I love you more than serving you. Jesus, it's because of you that I love all of these things. I love you more. Jesus, here's a summary statement. You might write it down. Got this one about a decade and a half ago. Jesus, I love you more, from a friend, Jesus, I love you more than anything life can give or death can take away. Jesus, I love you more than life itself. That's what, that's what the psalmist, that's what David said, that, that dude, that, that warrior dude, like, you're, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. What is he saying? He's saying, I would rather not be here than be without your steadfast love. How much do you love Jesus? Do you love him more than anything? That's the opportunity before us. And we, we see this kind of sentiment about loving Jesus more than life itself because that's exactly where Jesus goes. In verse 18, he talks to Peter and he says, hey, truly, truly, he's like, serious, pay attention, Peter. I say to you, when you were young, you used to get dressed, you used to do whatever you want. But listen, when you're older, someone else is gonna dress you and they're gonna lead you where you don't wanna go. You're gonna stretch out your hands. Listen, in the Roman Empire, that only meant one thing. Peter, you, you saw me die by crucifixion uh, just days before. Listen, that's your faith as well. You're going to give your life for me. Are you ready, Peter? Do you love me that much? And we would find, and church history would tell us that Peter was ready. He did reveal that he loved Jesus that much. But once again, listen, you think, oh, Tanner, man, this is tough. You listen to about 45 things there, and I don't even know if I could say half of them I love more than Jesus. I mean, Jesus more than all those things. Like, what's going to help me get there? What's going to, to cause my love to grow to the point where I'm telling him again and again and again? It's only the love of Christ. It's only the love of Christ. We can't take chapter 21 and divorce it from chapters 18 and 19. Peter just saw the greatest display the world has ever known when Jesus, the Messiah, the very Son of God, the perfectly innocent man, the God-man, he was nailed to a Roman cross and died in his place for his sin and the sin of the entire world. It's, it's knowing that love that motivates our love. It's remembering how much Jesus has loved us that we then love him and tell him again and again and again and again and again. I want to say this. If your love for God is not increasing, my first conclusion is this. You are missing how much he loves you. If your love for God is not rising, it is because you have taken your eyes off of the cross and you have forgotten how much he loves you because Jesus loved you more than life itself. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you love me like that. Because listen, he's telling you again and again and again and again. Every time the sun rises, I love you. Every time you put clothes on your back, I love you. Every time you remember that you were made for more than all the stuff of the world, God is saying, I love you. We need a reset of relationship and a reset of love. And when we get those, listen, when we get those, then we're ready for number three, a reset of mission. A reset of mission. A reset of mission to the point where we naturally and passionately serve others for their spiritual good. Because as we come back to verses 15 through 17, what we find is that Jesus doesn't end the conversation like, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. But every time he asks the question and Peter affirms his love, what does Jesus do? He gives him an assignment. You love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. One scholar says this, that, that it would be appropriate if we inserted the word then before each of the commands. In other words, he asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes. And then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Then tend my sheep. Then feed my sheep. We, listen, don't, don't miss this. Don't, please don't miss. There are two great commandments in the Bible. If you want to know like what all of life is about, it's about loving God and loving other people. But there is an inextricable uh, link between the two, okay? There's, there is a link that can never be removed between our love for people and our love for God. If we're, if we're truly going to love people, we better be loving God. That's why the, the, the instruction follows the question. When you love God, you will naturally love the people around you and in front of you. When Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, he's saying, care for my people and everyone who follows me both now and in the future. But not just caring and, and knowing and, and, and meeting needs and protecting the sheep, but also, he says, feed. That means to teach them, to give them spiritual food, both everyone who follows me and everyone who will follow me. And you say, Tanner, how do we do that? We do it through God's love and God's word. God's love and God's word. Listen, this, this word, this Bible are the very words of God. We believe that. Which means if these are the very words of God, they are words of life. And when we receive words of life, words of life strengthen us from the inside out. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What, what is he saying? He's saying, if you need spiritual strength, if you need spiritual sustenance, then open up the scriptures and get to know what I've said, because everything that I have said will strengthen you for your life. And that's what we give to people as we help them follow Jesus. And notice, listen, these are, these are verbs, not nouns. 
So, so, so Jesus is another way. He's saying you have to take action here. You have to step out and you have to care for people. You have to step out and you have to, to teach people. And listen, I know this is Peter who was the, the primary leader of the early church and, and he really needed to hear this instruction. And I know as we apply this you know, passage, we probably think about pastors and teachers and church leaders. You probably think about people like me. Oh, Pastor Tanner, he's up there. He's, he's caring. He's connecting with people. He's teaching God's word. He's trying to see God through his words today, which are coming from God's word, strengthen us. And you may be under the false notion that the text not apply to you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All snap. Pastor Tanner went there. <laughs> this applies to you. This applies to you. You have to decide in these moments if you agree, this applies to me. I'll give you two reasons. Take, take the truth or leave it. Take the truth or leave it to the side. Listen, number one, if you follow Jesus, here's the, here's the news. God is in you. You may say, Tanner, I can't do it. There's no way, like, oh, you can do anything. Because if God is in you, then God can do anything through you. That's number one. But then number two, you have been assigned to this. Jesus has said, look, this is part of your reason for living now. If you follow me, your assignment is you help other people follow me. He said, Tanner, just prove it. You know, since you said the Bible is the very words of God and they give us life, then why don't you show it to me from Scripture? I'd be glad to more than once. Luke chapter 9, when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles, he tells them to preach. How many apostles did he send out? Four out of 12, six out of 12, seven out of 12. No, 12 out of 12, that's 100%. Ah, oh, Tanner, that's the apostles, you know, they were the super select and, you know, like, oh, let's just fast forward another chapter, Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out 72 disciples. He tells them to heal, cast out demons, and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. How many disciples that were with him, 72, go out to tell people the good news? 72. <laughs> According to my mouth, that is 100%. That means God wants everyone in the game. Everyone gets to get in on this. You can do it. God is in you if you follow Jesus. And listen, you, here it is. You say, Tanner, okay, now it's my responsibility, but I don't know what to do. Here's what you do. We've been talking about one million minutes with God. Maybe some of you are sick and tired of me talking about it. Pastor's talking about it. Uh, well, I'm not sick and tired of talking about it because it's the most important thing in your spiritual walk. I mean, tell me what else is more important. Obeying it? Sure, you got to know it to obey it. So, <laughs> we spend time with God. And we, we get into his word and we receive from him. And here's the word for you, okay? Here's the word. 
This is, this, is how you, this is how you care for people. This is how you feed them. This is how you give what, what, what listen, this is it. We give what we get. You, you might need to write that down. I, I, know, it's, I know it's complex, but we, we give what we get. So listen, this is how I'm living my life. Like, I don't wake up every, I'm not gonna wake up tomorrow and think like, oh, when I am out and about and when I am, you know, texting one of you or when I'm like at the gas station and maybe getting a spiritual conversation, you know, like, yes, of course, we can share anything. We can talk about Jesus in any way. We can connect the dots from, from sports to art to whatever and, and get to the good news of the kingdom of God because this is God's world, by the way, and we can get there in any conversation. But the, the typical for me, is I just give what I got that morning. That's, that's how it works. So listen, listen, this is the encouragement. If you are getting from God on the daily, you've got something to give on the daily. Amen, Pastor Tina. Keep preaching today. That's good stuff. Um, so, so listen, listen. It's out of love for Jesus. It's out of love for Jesus that we love the person at work. We love the person in our neighborhood. We love the person in our community group. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night is so awesome. How many people are coming to community groups this week is another opportunity for you to get connected. Where we're checking out at Market Back, the person in front of us, we're just ready to give what we have received from the Lord. Jesus even said it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. Reset. Reset of relationship, reset of our love, and reset of our mission. We serve others for their spiritual good. And then finally, listen, this one's so important. I can't rush through it. Even I'm doing good on my time today. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to do a sidebar, right? This is so fun. Uh, one of our staff team members, uh, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names. But uh, we, were, we were service planning as a team. And I was giving an encouragement for timeliness on the, the, that particular part of the, the, the service. And this person said, oh, kind of like the sermons. <laughs> I, I kid you not, I, I didn't even have a comeback. I just took it. I just took it. But I've got one for next time. I've got one. I, the, the Lord gave it to me this morning. Hey, when the boy spitting fire, let it burn. Oh, let it burn. We're going to keep preaching up here today because it was all in good fun. That's what I'm talking about today. But uh, listen, I am going to let it burn to the proper time if God helps me in the next, you know, eight and a half minutes. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Listen, <laughs> we can have fun in church, right? All right. So reset your relationship. Reset your love. Reset your mission. Finally, reset your focus. Reset your focus. Look, look back at the story. Verse 20, it says this. Peter turned, and in this conversation, Peter, you're going to be crucified like I was crucified. We shouldn't be surprised that Peter is curious. He sees John, the beloved disciple, following, and, and at the end of verse 20, he says, uh, Lord, uh, in verse 21, he says, Lord, what about this man? In other words, Peter is saying, listen, you're telling me I'm going to be crucified. What about him? And Jesus says in verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? 
you follow me. When we experience a reset of focus, we can live in the reality of no comparisons, no, compa- I'm going to say it again, no comparisons, no distractions. No comparisons, no distractions. When Peter asked him, hey, what about him? Jesus immediately responds, Peter, what is that to you? In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, you don't worry about him. You worry about you. You stay focused on what I have for you. Peter, you run in your lane. You you live with the kind of passion and zeal for what I have assigned you. Because listen, Peter, that is where freedom is found. When, When Jesus says, you follow me, at the end of verse 22, there are two things you need to know about it. Number one, he is being emphatic. We can see that in the Greek text, by the way. He places the pronoun in the front. He is saying, Peter, you, you, you must follow me. And when he says, follow me, it's, it's in, in the active tense. In other words, follow me and keep on following me. You just stay focused on following me. Peter, you be who I have made you to be. Peter, you do what you, I have called you to do. And you don't worry about everyone else. And Peter in this moment is instructed for his heart to be pulled away from the temptation that has plagued the human heart since the beginning of our fall from grace into sin. We compare. Why did, I didn't plan, it's not my notes. Why did Cain kill Abel? Comparison. He was mad. He was upset. God was more excited about his sacrifice. So Cain... When God brings us to the place of contentment, we will not be so distracted by the curse of comparison. Listen, I know we all live there. We fight the temptation. Their life is so easy. Their kids are so well behaved. They make so much money. They got married at 27. They're so spiritual. Their church is so effective at reaching people. Oh, pastors do it too. I can be the chief of sinners. They're so athletic. They're so artistic. They're so academic. What is that to you? Jesus is saying to every one of our hearts this morning, what is that to you? You be who I have made you to be. You find freedom in staying focused and running in your lane. Let them be them who I have made them to be, and you be you and do what I have called you to do. That is the place of freedom. And we see how serious Jesus is about this when he says, if it is my will that he remain until I come back. What is that to you, Peter? That's how serious he is about this thing of 
distraction, by comparison. In other words, we could put it in our terms. If, if I want them to make billions of dollars, if I want them to have 100 children, if I want them to never get sick, if I want them to lead 1 million people to salvation in me, what is that to you? You follow me. And just keep on following me. And when you do, listen, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to fill you up. And I'm going to keep giving more of myself to you so that you can not only receive it and experience joy, but so that you can receive it to give it. It's time to reset. It's time to reset. A reset of relationship. A reset of our love. A reset of our mission. A reset of focus. And here's the really, really, really wild reality of it all. When we lock in with Jesus, when we follow him as the chief priority of our lives, we will discover, I hope you're listening today, I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, we will discover that there is no end to the measure of his goodness. There is no end to the measure of his power. There's no end to the measure of his love. And John helps us see it at the very end when he says this. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know his testimony is true. Here it is. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. There is always more. There's always more. Oh God, I could say it a million times, but unless you help us believe it, my words mean nothing. God, help us to see there is always more with you. You are the infinite God. You are the infinite fountain. With you is the fountain of life. Everything else is broken cisterns that don't hold any water. God, help us today to reset with you. God, help us today to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do. In these moments where there's sin to confess, God, let us confess them that there's no friction anymore. Oh, God, let us do it right now. Let us confess our love, our sin to you. God, let us confess our love for you because we do love you. When we see how much you have loved us, we, we love you. We can't not love you when we see who you are and what you have done. And God, as we love you, help us to serve others for their spiritual good. Help us to remain focused so that we won't be distracted by comparison, but so that we can be everything that you have made us to be and do all that you have called us to do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.